0: Content warning, this podcast contains mentions of misogyny and internalized homophobia. Hi everyone, my name is Hannah, pronouns they, them, and you're listening to another episode of Queer Sounds. Um, before we dive into sho- into the show, I'd uh, like to draw your attention to the Patreon page, patreon.com slash queersounds um, you can get stickers there. Um, as soon as I get enough people subscribed there, I will start making some bonus e- episodes because I'd like more than one person to hear them. And most importantly, um, from a specific tier, you can pick what songs we're going to play and have us, uh, or being me and my guests, react live on air. Um, with that out of the way, I'd like to uh, draw your attention to my guest for today, Fiera Simons. Um, from 3FM, the Dutch radio station, probably comparable to uh, BBC Radio 1, uh, Triple J in Australia, U3 if you're from Austria, I don't know how that's, um, you know. There's a specific brand of radio stations that just play pop music but aren't afraid to dive into some more unknown um, new upcoming artists. And I'm kind of wondering... um, to start off with a question right away, Vera, um, the U.S. equivalent of 3FM, would you say that's KEXP?
1: Oh, that would be really nice. I would totally agree with that.
0: Why would you think that? Because it makes sense to me because they've got some specific brand of yeah online presentation and a, some kind of image with uh, live music, yeah. always diving into some um, yeah. upcoming artists. Um, and yeah. I'd say you're doing the same thing. Would you agree?
1: Well, thank you very much, because hopefully I do. What I really like about KXP is that when they're doing the sessions and I love them, they're always so um, real, you know? The hosts are their enthusiasm. I truly believe what they're saying, what they're recommending me. And if the band is invited, I feel like it's, you know, a a safe and nice place to be, I'd say. And I'm hoping to create the same... Um, uh, space in the Netherlands which is of course difficult at this time but when I'm allowed to invite some people and we can do a session KXP is of course a very good example yeah
0: um, just for those um, unaware um, how about you introduce yourself a little bit because you know we started talking about all of that stuff right away but I'm, <laughs> I can only imagine people don't have an idea that who who we're talking to
1: Yeah, Uh, so my name is Vera Simons and I'm hosting a radio show at 3FM, as you mentioned, the Dutch radio station on Saturday and Sunday evenings from uh, 7 to 10 p.m. And uh, in my work, what I really hope to do is, you know, get people to hear the right new songs that I think they should listen to on that specific Saturday night, Sunday evening, you know, really right in the feels. I really love good old school um, radio and um, besides that i'm also hosting uh, a dutch podcast which is uh, the lesbische liga i can better translate it as the Les lesbian league or something like Be that yeah that makes sense <laughs> yeah and uh, with a friend of mine and we are actually um, looking into the representation of uh, women who love women and how they are shown on television, in series, in movies, in books. And um, I think those are the two, you know, work-related projects that I'm really excited about. And besides that, I live together with my girlfriend in Amsterdam. And um, um, I'm I'm happy to be able to go to the studio twice a week um, during this crazy lockdown time. So, um, yeah, that's it for now, I guess.
0: Just for the record, what are your pronouns?
1: Uh, she, her. Yes.
0: Got it. Um, so is there on your work a specific track you feel like you really had to rally for and then turned out successful?
1: Um, h- how do you mean that that, that question? Like,
0: Well, um, you know, obviously you've got a whole team selecting the music for your show. Um, is there a song that you kind of fell in love with and, you know, the, the team behind you, the editing room was just kind of like hesitant to actually give it <laughs> some radio play but you really fought yeah. for it you really rallied for it and it did get some airplay and you turned out victorious yeah. because the audience loved it as well
1: yeah and that's always a difficult question because i feel like if you're like a radio host or a tv host and um I, i'd like to talk about like new music i discovered but i don't want to be like yeah it's you know uh all because of me so i i, I really don't want to you know give myself too much credit but i Remember when i started in um you know making radio you start at the night shifts and between two and four and you have you know a a small amount of you know free choices that you really get to play because you know you have to work for it so you start with uh um, of course a lot of um possibilities and freedom and creativity but you know as you mentioned you really sometimes have to stand for some tracks and i personally remember, I think the, the best example is Go and Red. Um, I started, you know, she had some songs on SoundCloud and Spotify and I was just playing an old radio and I, I remember a colleague at that time, he was like, no, nah, it's not a hit. And I'm like, yeah, I don't mind if it's not a radio hit. I just feel like um, I want to play that song because I also um, experienced when a lot of things that I played on the radio that were you know really in my heart the early first songs of Billie Eilish? People that reacted to it were exactly the kind of yeah you know persons, people, listeners that I wanted to have a conversation with. So, um, I yeah I, I kept playing it, and she performed at the the showcase festival yours Norderslag, I think two years ago from now, and it and was who still are you I talking was about girl and red
0: or Billie Eilish,
1: girl in red yeah girl in red, um because Billie is. American, and then she's not allowed because it's you know european um showcase festival and um going strong going strong but now finally uh her previous single made it to you know uh the evening playlist of 3fm a couple of weeks ago and uh that felt you know like yeah victory <laughs>
0: also the the alternative side station like the online only things right
1: yeah 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 on the three of alternative yes
0: yeah um I remember seeing Girl in Red live at the, the Lowlands Festival a couple of summers ago. And it was fun.
1: Yeah, and what did you think of it? Because the time she was like the first to perform that day. Yeah,
0: she was like the day opener. But that's I felt like obviously mm. th- that's the right spot for her because, you know, there is a limited crowd there. Um, yeah. And I really felt like she h- struck the right chord there. Obviously, there is some some progress to be made when it comes to stage presence and um um the 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 show aspect of it all, but you know, what else to expect from like a, a bedroom singer songwriter uh like, like she is. But um there was a really fun distinction when it came to the audience there. Um because Girl in Red I felt like already had a name for herself. Um, amongst amongst the queer uh, queer community specifically so there were a bunch of young queers rocking out in the front in front of the stage and in the back of the tent uh where she was playing there was some um yeah the music snobs the 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 aficionados like um confirmingly nodding their heads
1: Mm, the bookers and everyone exactly
0: yeah yeah, the 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 people who are really out there to discover new artists um but from new artists I guess we should uh, look back a little bit drawing yeah. um, actually get some music going on here uh, first track of well, the day yeah. maybe by N.E.R.D. See?
2: And it was born in a cloud with silver light uh-huh but mm-hmm. it broke I mean it hatched on the ground so tiny. Right by me
0: Maybe off of the fly or die album 2004 um i can only imagine you fira you're probably you're about my age right um so being like 10 years old hooked on the radio listening to stuff like this is that is that the image i'm supposed to be imagining here
1: Exactly. And I I think maybe even more than just listening uh, to the radio, the video clips when we in, in here in the Netherlands, we had the TMF, the box, you know, the, uh, the MTV uh, (laughs) stations. And I remember just being hooked on new music, new music through the videos that I saw for the first time. And um, when you asked me for a song that would, you know, represent my childhood memories or or something like that. I was thinking about this song because afterwards I, um, you know, uh, realized I was only 10 years old when I bought this album, but it's still like an album that I can listen to fly or die from the beginning to the end. And I think that specifically this song really... Uh, explains my taste in music also nowadays, because my first gig ever was Britney Spears, you know, in the the Hit Me Baby One More Time phase. And I still love it, but it's not, you know, what I uh, listen to every day. And I think uh, an ERD and maybe, the, you know, the, the hip hop, the R&B, but also the rock influences are so good i love everything about this song it's so good
0: right yeah because that's um i'm not entirely sure how groundbreaking it was but it does sound like something that's that wasn't ever done before like actual hip-hop beats you're sure we were familiar with that around 2003 2004 Mm -hmm. but then have these raging guitar solos underneath that's amazing
1: Yeah. yeah and the drums they're so warm and also uh not Poppy, maybe at the same time, but it's a hit, definitely. It's still a banger, I think. So I, I, I truly love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it feels like raw, unpolished. Yeah. And with that, you know, Pharrell also being the star producer, he is is this your favorite Pharrell song as well, or is this just something you picked because it fits? Ooh. It fits the fits the the era.
1: Oh, that's that's a a very difficult question. Um, I I think it really fits the era because I'm. Uh, I think back of what he did also with Jay-Z and Frontin and Rockstar. All those songs are really what I wanted to be at that time when I was the uh, little girl that was skateboarding outside of school and, you know, just wanted to be very punk and cool, (laughs) I think. So it's a very hard question, but I think, um, you know, the Fly or Die album, it it gives me uh, all the feel. So I would, you know, still go for that album yeah i think so yeah
0: is it um you said it's representative of the music you listened to at the time um what was the general musical vibe of your childhood household
1: (laughs) um well the household that's a, a different thing because my um mother she is not really into music like she prefers it to be very quiet and silent when <laughs> when the opportunity is there because she had like four daughters and it was always very busy busy in her house and uh, my father used to listen to really the uh, early days of gesto. we're from Breda uh, the city so that was really the scene. and he was really into um, you know dance electronic music um, Moby um, but also like Chesto, Paul all those those names that I um, grew up with, but I'm not really listening to that um, anymore these days. Because when I was a, ch- a child, I listened to, you know, Britney Spears and Avril Levine and then Blink 182, Sum 41, and I thought that Good Charlotte was very cool, so I always requested that song <laughs> on the video, um, the TV channel. Um, so there was. Um, a weird combination if I'm, you know, looking back to it and considering it. Yeah.
0: Is there um a specific artist that kind of made you see the light uh in the sense of mm, an artist that you were like the the first artist you remember actively loving and, and enjoying their music?
1: Ooh well um I, I'm I don't know how how is that with uh, how's that been with you? But I got through a lot of different phases, like very weird faces. So as I mentioned, I really started with Britney Spears. I was eight years old when I went to her gig. And that's very <laughs> weird. I think because that's very young. Yeah. You know, and, um, for a long time, I just really wanted to be Avril Lavigne, Avril Lavigne. I couldn't pronounce it that So I always said Avril, it should be Avril, I think. Um, but for a long time, I really wanted to be the skater girl. And so everything she did was, you know, crazy. I just wanted to be her. So I think she had a big influence on my life back in those days.
0: Well, that's the, the reason why I, uh, why I always ask the general musical vibe of the household. Because I remember like when I started getting into music, it was always just what my dad listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, he listened to like all of the oldie stations, uh, the Beatles, Super Tramp, that type of stuff, Phil Collins. I don't know. I've I've never actually had someone bounce that question back to me. So I'm kind of taken by surprise here. Um, Mm -hmm. A name that pops into mind is Eros Ramasotti. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. i I've, I've actually went uh when my dad turned fifty he was playing Zigadome. so um me and him we went see see Ramazotti live in in Amsterdam oh, yeah. which was it, it's a fond memory it's a fond memory so um from there you you mentioned you went through all of these different phases is there um a specific phase you say you kind of got stuck in
1: um I think so when I was Uh, about 15 16 years old I uh, went to high school and I had you know great friends around me we had a nice group of friends and um, I think we we did share the same taste in music in some bands and artists but I was really addicted to uh, the radio station uh, specifically 3FM back in those days and they were playing, you know, it started with bands like, I think, The Cooks and those kind of, you know, indie bands, Noah and The Will. But later on, I um, my musical, uh, my taste really shifted towards the National Arcade Fire, those kind of bands. And uh, while I was going to high school in Breda, um, my life felt, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, so small. Um, I got to the same Uh, concert venue and i i felt like i i mm, wanted to explore more so i um really uh, i got in touch with a lot of great people through twitter which um if i'm looking back was a little bit weird because i was only 15 or 16 years old and i uh, was meeting with a lot of people in real life and i didn't tell my mom and um it could have go you know very wrong but it didn't because it was the you know, a the a tiny community, I think you could compare it to, you know, MySpace, th- the people that um, we had, yeah, we had things with music in common. And um, one of the first friends that I met, uh, Linda, we, uh, she really showed me the world of gigs because she lived near Amsterdam and we got to uh, the shows together. And I think, um, you know, it all started with my love for Arcade Fire and it's still a band that I Uh, truly love and um, you know I I want to see them live every opportunity that I have I want to see them live so I think that was very important for me and I still feel like that girl that is um, you know fan of bands I think that's important to still uh, say out loud even if you're you know um, a radio DJ or if you're making podcasts I still feel like I'm fan of a lot of artists and um, yeah, so uh, sometimes I feel like the same, you know, 15 year old Vera today.
0: That's actually something that could be um, quite interesting in the sense that um, a lot of young girls, specifically, get shunned for liking a specific artist. Um, mm-hmm. um, is that something you were aware of at the time? Like, okay, people are shaming me for a specific type of music that I like but I'm just gonna own up to it
1: yeah I, I think so because uh during high school I I felt like a misfit you know I I didn't dress the way the other girls did and I um you know didn't like the same music and the same guys obviously because I was in a closet I didn't know back then but um um y- you cannot see it because it's a podcast but I have this book you know um oh, right, it's, yeah, it's near it. me yeah. Have you heard about the it book? It's from uh, Hannah Ewens. It's called Fangirls. And I think that's one of the best books to um, <laughs> give to people and tell them to read it because it's it's all about, um, as you mentioned, being a fan, being a fangirl. And one of the first things that's in a book is like um, suggestion, replace the word fangirl with expert and see what happens. And that's something I think that's very um, important because, you know... Um, it's always about oh the girls on you know close to the stage yelling and being crazy woo woo woo, fan girls, but no no shame in my game. Yeah
0: yeah I remember. I'm um, not entirely sure if the, if it was when that book came out or if it's like a predecessor to the book written by the same author, but. I remember reading something about that either on Pitchfork or Anime, like one of those websites. And there is this one phrase that really stuck with me. And it's like, um, the Beatles only became the legendary act. They are now the point. Um and, and they only became as legendary as they are now the moment men decided they liked them. Yeah. Yeah, that's just Yeah. A lot of misogyny written um all over exactly. music history.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and yeah, what what you say, that's so important because, you know, media or pop journalists, they tend to um, look at some artists or some groups like, hmm, for, for example, the Taylor Swift album. I really was laughing out loud when some people from, you know, the Dutch music platform 3 for 12 were like, oh, I, I uh, yeah, I'm finally, you know, becoming a fan. Only because she's working together with you know Bon Iver, right? And, yeah, uh, and Aaron Dessner and all those names. From is from the National, yeah. So now when she's in a you know a cabin in the woods with older, <laughs> um, crying singer songwriter <laughs> kind of people, now I don't know.
0: <laughs> you know, let's be real. Um, I personally got into Taylor Swift around her 1989 mm-hmm. album. I I I feel like before that if you listen to it with hindsight she's pulling the exact same tricks
1: yeah yeah and and she's a phenomenal artist so yeah
0: yeah um how about we get into the second track of the day our queer artist of the week is arlo parks i had a dream we
2: kissed and it was
0: is it
1: no there's not an album yet
0: um no. do you know when it's coming out
1: because um I i'm it not was
0: sure su- was supposed to release earlier this year and then they postponed it I right? th- yeah
1: i thought so i think maybe she postponed some stuff i'm not sure sorry yeah
0: no um but you being a connoisseur of pop music you must have had a ton of artists to pick from in this queer category
1: yeah, and um, you mentioned K- KXP and um, creating those live sessions that feel like magic. Um, Arla Parks was one of them. Um, she was uh, able, fortunately, to stop by when she performed here in Amsterdam. Um, so, you know, when it's not an official official promo day, we just had a little... Amount of time and she was sound checking, and I was together with the technical engineer listening to the sound check, and we were looking at each other like, "This is special. This is so um, a special what she is doing." And um, afterwards, I was able to have a, a, a small interview with her and ask her some questions, and I just wanted to talk with her about this song because it feels so refreshing for me still um, to hear someone, um, in her case. Uh, I think she identifies herself as queer, as a queer person, uh, singing about a girl, um, and the jealousy. I always love when people <laughs> are singing about being jealous because I, you know, I can totally imagine w- what this feels like, and I'm always like, oh yeah, finally someone who stands up and, you know, says what it is. And um, so there are, uh, yeah, a lot of artists to to choose from. But I was thinking, what was someone that really? um made a great impression on me um also with the live performance and that was definitely art of parks and her voice and the band everything yeah
0: yeah it sounds really calm and soothing um but you know like they put out like like you mentioned talking about um jealousy you know talking so sweetly about something that can actually be so toxic that's the the, contradicted the contradiction in there that's that's yeah intriguing yeah, but from there, um, with uh, now that you've got the chance, do you want to shout out some other artists, some other queer artists? People definitely should check out.
1: Ooh, that's such a difficult question because there are so many. And um, if you ask me this question right away, and I'm thinking of something that I'm hooked to at this point, I would definitely say the Japanese House. I don't think she's like unknown or. Um, you know uh, she she got a, a shitload of plays i think nowadays on on spotify but um i'm i'm hooked to her ep and you know when i'm just thinking out loud it's also about a heartbreak with another artist Morika Heckman i'm not sure if the name says something to you also a queer singer and um you know y- you get me right away when you're talking about you know a breakup between two girls I want to hear everything about it. I think so. So I would go for the Japanese house for now.
0: <laughs> I think the Japanese house also falls into the same category of an artist that was previously kind of pushed to the side. And it's like, oh, that's just another mm. Matt Healy side project because album of yeah. the 1975. And now all of a sudden gets taken seriously because she's gotten collab with with Justin Vernon.
1: <laughs> there he is, Bonnie Iver again. We were talking about Taylor Swift, but now we're... <laughs>
0: it's There's a yeah. pattern here. Um,
1: yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: let's. I I had a question in mind just now, but it it, it kind of. Oh yeah, wait. It's it's back. It's back. So you you've got a, a um, women loving women queer media analysis podcast. Um, hmm. Is that something that you um, that that helped you through your own queer experiences? Just seeing or listening to other queer folk.
1: Yeah, and and that's. So I think difficult because when I uh, came out as a lesbian, I was 17 years old and I uh, did that because at that time I got my first girlfriend and um, I didn't feel comfortable enough to, to, you know, talk with, even with friends about that before, before I got into a relationship. And um, that process was really difficult for me because I grew up in this small village and... Um, when I was able to move out because, you know, for going to college and studying, I felt like I had some more, you know, space and air to be myself or to, you know, find out who I was actually. But I think that there was a, a, a long time, I think, even until like three, four years ago that I still didn't fully accept myself. I was always the one who was making the jokes. I was in a room full of, you know heterosexual white cis man and when there was something about you know yeah gayish or or lesbians i was always the first one that would come with you know very uh, rude jokes or something about myself um because i felt like you know they were looking at me like you are that one or um i'm always uh I, yeah yeah for a long time i was always like afraid that if I, if I got into you know a friendship with another girl she would think something of me because i identify myself as a lesbian i think it started internalized with
0: internalized homophobia maybe
1: exactly yeah so so if i'm looking back on on uh, yeah how i behave that's you know um not as it should be and i think with talking with friends about that we the friend that i'm making the podcast with we We had the same conclusion, like we watched the L word back then because it was the only thing we had at that point, you know, watching it, uh, downloading it illegal. And then, you know, we're talking with each other like, oh, 2020 is like better in in ways that we have King Princess. I saw her live and uh, a girl, I think the girl was 16. She just shouted like, sit on my face. And I was at that gig and I was like, whoa, whoa. I wish I was here when I was, you know, 17 years old and and maybe I would feel, you know, comfortable with myself and the feelings, you know, not in a a sexual way, but like those girls who were there were so confident and they were so completely okay with their sexuality, like, uh, like with being queer. And... Yeah, I was like n- not really jealous, but I was like, oh, that was something I needed back then. So, um, yeah, a long story short, that was really the the, the thing that uh, we started the podcast because the L word announced a new season, and then eventually I got in touch with a lot of people who were like, yes, I watched that uh, also when I was fifteen, and I ha- I hadn't any friends to talk about the series, and now I have. Now we can finally, you know, be open about it and chat with each other about it, which is really weird and funny
0: what what changed over the years like what what made you help um discovering about that internalized homophobia and help you become better coming to terms with yourself
1: uh, i really think the younger audience like also in terms of radio i started out with um i'm not the radio host that is talking a lot about myself and my personal life i think music first you know always but i i heard myself saying partner instead of Um, girlfriend, because my girlfriend, she identifies herself as as a woman. But I was, you know, being vague about it. I didn't want to say that I'm not a heterosexual woman. And and I I was thinking on a day, like, when I was listening to, you know, this radio station when I was 16, there was also this uh, lesbian radio DJ, Claudia De Bray. And um, I was like, oh, that really helped me that there was someone who was visible and she didn't hide it. So I I thought I shouldn't be hiding it too. And I got, I still get so, so many great responses when I'm playing, for example, Go in Red. Um, I, I recently got a tweet from a girl. She was like, well, every Saturday when I'm in the radio, when I'm in the car for just 15 minutes, Vera Simons is playing, you know, two or three queer artists in a couple of minutes that's that's phenomenal so uh, and, and i still feel like the confidence of i think mostly younger people online and um that they are seeing it you know they're they're hearing what i'm doing and that's really what's um given me you know i think some kind of push to be out and open about it
0: do you are um actually put in the extra effort to 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 play more queer artists than other people might play. Yeah.
1: yeah 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 and also with um the opportunities opportunities to have in interviews with people nowadays through zoom of course um we talked about the japanese house but also girl in red and rami from the dxx the who also released a single i'm speaking to her tomorrow and in an interview she also stated like uh, i finally put out a song that is me singing about another girl and uh I, I really want to have those conversations because I um I feel like if you're getting the opportunity to have this platform in you know my case a radio show and uh a video channel that people, you know, see on um national radio. I feel like I should, you know, take that chance and um give the content that I uh yeah, I also needed when I was sixteen, seventeen years old.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's a common trope, isn't it? Like really trying to put the media content out there that you wish you had when you were mm. when you were younger. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly why this podcast exists as well. Uh-huh. Um I can imagine you got a lot of pushback from it as well. Like there must be some homophobic listener who is yeah. like, "What? What? What's? What? Why is she trying to push this push this agenda?"
1: Yeah, how do you deal with uh, that? A lot, and I I like. I'm not even reading like everything that's um, being sent directly when being on air because it really affects my mood. But I get a lot of messages from uh, mostly older men. They're like, "Ah, oh, too bad you're a lesbian," or "You look good for a lesbian." Those kind of things. And I, um, you know, I, I actually, if 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 it would be possible, I would call back every single a person that sends something to me but it makes me just want to scream louder and louder actually yeah
0: yeah men are horrible from there um i i've listened to i've I've listened to your uh, podcast at least the first season talking about the l word um there were a lot of jokes i didn't get and i feel like (laughs) that's because i'm not a lesbian what's what's the deal with that Let, let Pull, pull down the curtain a bit. Pull back the curtain. Yeah,
1: that's so funny because, you know, my boss, he's uploading the podcast and he's like, yeah, um, because I'm now making it for three of them. So my colleagues my are listening and like, yeah, I don't understand it, but I think it's great. Yeah, I see people are listening to it. So that's funny. Um, but where we're, yeah, I think what we're trying to do in the podcast is all those stereotypes um, that people are, you know, content Continu- continuously Continu- continuously yeah um throwing at um lesbian girls we just we're like talking about those uh things with each other that's funny because you know what they say um about lesbians and what we also w- make fun of for example like how do you recognize a lesbian because of course it doesn't really exist but we like to make jokes of what our own experiences are with it and what we can see uh, that we have in common, you know, as uh, lesbian girls. But of course the L word when the first seasons came out like years and years ago, it was also, you know, a bit of a soapy, uh, see, it was really, uh, there was a lot of drama. So uh, we tend to take that element and, you know, uh, zoom in on drama, drama, drama. Because that's what they say about lesbians. There's always drama and there's always, you know, an ex involved and uh, et cetera, et cetera.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's something that's really empowering, isn't it? Just take the stereotypes, run with it and own up to it.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah We, th- I, I said something about the jokes that I made in situation, but I still have to do it with colleagues. They ca- get, a, you know, they become a little bit awkward when you do that. And I loved it, you know, just um, saying what I think they are maybe thinking and then out loud.
0: <laughs> right, yeah, and then hinting at something because you know they uh-huh. want to make a certain remark and then yeah, kind of, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 like when yeah. When you feel a specific type of tension thinking, I know you want to make a joke, but you know it's mm-hmm. not PC to make that joke, so I'm gonna make it instead. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. <laughs>
0: All right. Um, you briefly mentioned King Princess just now. I think it's about time we go and actually play that track. Although I don't think my audience is unfamiliar with this one. Yeah. <laughs> 1950, here we go.
3: I hate it when doops try to chase me But I love it when you try to save me Cause I'm just a lady I love it when we play 1950. It's so cold it just stays about to kill me. I'm surprised when you kiss me. So tell me why
2: my eyes looks like you. And tell me why it's wrong.
3: That you didn't want to live in a city Where the people are shitty I like it when we play 1950 So bold, make them know that you're with me Stone call, will you miss me? So tell me why my eyes look like you and tell me why it's wrong. So away.
0: There we go. Um, King Princess, 1950. Um, there is an album of this one, Cheap Queen, released 2019. Um, I haven't listened to the entire album. I feel like I should. Um, you should. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So you put this one in the category Best um, Concert Experience, bring me there.
1: I I think I uh, already revealed uh, too much when I was talking about the gig. But what I really loved was um, I was hooked to this song and I remember um, playing it on the radio and, you know, um, telling some personal stuff around it, which I did, you know, in the middle of the night and I remember someone sending a message because I was like uh 1950 it really hit me so I was like oh you know it stands for me all the times that I you know walked uh, hand in hand with my girl and someone um screamed at me or I got into a fight once I was really talking about everything and someone sent, sent me a message saying like yeah you're talking too much just shut up so that was... <laughs> You know what I was doing back then in the middle of the night, me trying to make personal radio, um, all the feels. But um, there I, I sometimes, you know, felt like a misfit because um, I could imagine like a lot of people who were having, you know, uh, night shifts listening to me for like, um, I don't know what this girl is talking about. But when I entered the venue in Amsterdam where King Princess was playing, um, there were so many young people, young queer people around and everyone was so extremely confident, like what I mentioned, what I um, uh, didn't have back then, and I was I, I was not expecting that for some reason, because I also had my, you know, safe space online on Tumblr back in the days, and maybe on Twitter, but not out there. I, I was not going to queer or gay or lesbian concerts uh, ever before, I think. I, I didn't really get to those kind of shows, maybe. Um, but when I was there with my girlfriend, we were just looking at all the kids and we were like, oh, we're so proud. We stand. This is so great. That was that was so... Um, so it wasn't was really so the
0: artist guess. itself. It was just the general vibe in the room.
1: Exactly. It started with the vibe in the room. And I was um, really into King Princess at that point. She had a couple of songs out and the band back then was not, you know... I think it was one of their first shows. They were not like ecstatic um, um, with their live performance, which they are nowadays, I think. But that's that's what I really... You know, when you sometimes feel like an artist is going somewhere or, you know, you think they are going to be big superstars and King Princess was definitely going to be... Uh, I think the evening was sold out, but not like in, in a day or something. She was still, you know to be discovered and i remember like Romy from the xx which i mentioned before she was also in the crowd and i was like whoa i was fangirling so i got to her like oh i saw you were in the studio together in la and she was like yeah i flew to amsterdam to see her tonight i was like oh my god everything full circle
0: <laughs> uh, every, every every puzzle piece just kind of fell fell into place yeah. there that's yeah. perfect yeah. um yeah and i was kind of surprised when you when you mentioned king princess i mean it, now that you've told me this it completely makes sense, although I can also imagine stuff like this happening at other other shows you've been to. Uh, you mentioned Arlo Parks, for example, though her music might not be as um upbeat screaming sit in my face type of stuff, but yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> um, so did what, did you feel like this audience was more explicitly queer than other audiences that you've uh, in, when it comes to shows you've been to?
1: um at that point yes because i think it's it's been three years ago that show something like that and um as i mentioned for me it was one of the first times that i was in that was i i was part of that crowd so um i was you know positively in shock the entire gig and uh yeah that was ecstatic that was you know just out there and also as you mentioned go and red at lowlands i was also happily surprised to see that there were so many queer kids already uh of course they had to buy a ticket for the entire festival weekend so uh sometimes you tend to think are you know where are the queer people but they were definitely there and that was also the case with king princess yeah
0: um what did you use as a public safe space as a substitute was was there if there was any at all
1: uh you mean like when i was um, at, at, at
0: for example like um, you couldn't find a queer safe space in a concert uh, environment so mm. in a clubbing environment instead or just staying at home with friends I don't know
1: yeah I think um, w- one of the first friends that I'm, I, I made back then um, when eventually one of the girls turned out uh, as, as my girlfriend back then Uh, now my ex, Um, we were just watching the hour together with four girls and that felt, you know, (laughs) uh, safe. But I didn't really go to clubs or parties. Um, Nowadays I do, uh, besides corona, and I feel comfortable, but for a long time I couldn't find the right places to be because um, you also, I lived in in Tilburg and you had Roze Maandag, you know, some kind of local gay pride thing, that day and i was there and i felt you know i didn't felt like i belonged there so for a long time i didn't have that kind of space i really think it's just it's something of the last four years or something and i'm already (laughs) 27 so that's very sad but yeah
0: (laughs) yeah the 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 rose maandag the pink monday thing i've um I mean, whoever finds pride in it, like, go for it and enjoy it. But I really felt some sense of mockery. Um, that sh- that might yeah. just be me, though. Um,
1: they have a theme. Like, I, once I was there, the theme was gay for a day. Well, that says enough, <laughs> I think.
0: That's <laughs> problematic, though, because I feel like that invites yeah. a lot of tourism and, and invites people to be a living stereotype maybe no mm-hmm. um well, the, c- yeah sis had people say. walking around there actively flaunting as some kind of caricature
1: mm-hmm. yeah so I, I i i didn't think back then that was it for me and i still feel like pink monday i do love amsterdam pride and specifically the um girl lesbian queer parties that they host i really love it but um Tilburg was not for me.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, but now like you mentioned you live in Amsterdam. I is there a how do how do you experience living in a city that prides itself no pun intended in its in its um queer space in in its queer spaces?
1: Well, uh, what I love, I think I should start with the house that I live in, like both my neighbors are gay, so I would never feel like um that i would hide my uh girlfriend and i or that we would pretend like we're just friends you know sometimes you unfortunately have those situations where you try to be like oh yeah this is a friend um and i i truly feel like like i can be myself like i mentioned some of the parties during pride but every sunday you could go to the Truts here that's uh an evening where uh, no cell phones, no cameras are allowed, so everyone is, you know, uh, able to chat with each other and to uh, really meet new people, because that's also something difficult, right? I I don't know about you, but when I'm going into nightlife and clubbing and at festivals, I'm having a great time just dancing, but I also love meeting new people and um, having conversations, and I feel like um i have some places where i can go to and where i'm and barbuca, there is a lesbian bar um yeah i think i i feel comfortable i feel like at home in those kind of places yeah yeah
0: i do feel like that's well that's my experience anyway um meeting new people is so anxiety inducing
2: uh-huh
1: like yeah
0: <laughs> you can say the littlest thing and before you know it they turn out to be some kind of queer phobic asshole um Although coming from a non-binary perspective, um, I did like queer parties for the sake of trying out new names. It's like ah, whatever. Oh. I'm I'm never yeah. going to meet this person again. I'm just going to introduce myself oh. with this random name that uh, that I've been thinking about. See what's going on, and <laughs> see if it fits. And um, you know, when I first started, this is actually something that I I distinctly remember. as, is um, uh. Pride a couple of years back, it must have been 2016, 2017, and I introduced myself with the name my parents gave me, and they looked at me like, like, "Who are you fooling, kid? That's that oh, really? name does not suit you. You should try something else." And that's, I don't want to say that was a life changing moment, but I do want to say, like, yeah, why do I even use this name uh-huh. still? And, yeah. um. I mean, I haven't, it, it would went ex- exactly the way I thought it'd go. And like, I've never spoken to those people ever again, but they were right. Like it's meeting new people can be very helpful as, as, as scary as it might be. And, you know, I have a hard time getting out of my comfort zone. That's why I'm sitting here s- hidden behind a microphone and a, <laughs> a screen. But
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: yeah oh boy i don't know i don't know what to do with this information and these insights but
1: no i think i uh, yeah we love to hear it and also like the other way around i can imagine myself so i'm in a relationship for six years now and before um this relationship i was also in a relationship so it feels like i'm in a relationship the entire time you know what they say about lesbians, it's all, no. Um, But I I, I never really had the uh, real life dating experience as in me going to a strange woman or someone and being like, hey, how are you doing? Because I would also, uh, we we talked about, you know, um, internal uh, homophobic thoughts maybe, like I would also feel, always feel like, oh, either way they're already in a relationship or they are not like, uh, gay, queer, or whatever, and they feel like, ooh, go away, oh, that's that's gross, you know. That is something that I found, um, yeah, very scary. I would just go on, you know, dinner, I guess. Now dinner, uh, that's a good uh, place, right? I would <laughs> not
0: would not recommend. Um, <laughs> but then again, what other options are there? Okay, Cupid, maybe. I but then I don't I don't oh. have much experience with dating apps because mm. that that that's still meeting new people and I don't feel like actively looking for things that's
1: yeah uh-huh.
0: wasted effort
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah then it is yeah true
0: also I just don't like the concept of it like
1: just swiping through pictures
0: well no not not even that I don't mind the swiping through pictures I mean th- it's just that those apps are designed to be not helpful. Like those apps are designed to keep you swiping and actively not get you into a relationship because that's what their business model is based on.
1: Yeah, yeah. They want you to... uh, They want you you
0: to have a fling come back and swipe again.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's true, yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: so that's a brief sidestep into dating apps that I did not expect. Um, (laughs) Let's, uh, time's flying by. Let's get the last track of the day going. 070 070 how do you uh, what's the what's
1: yeah 070 shake yeah that's it yeah
0: I was actually surprised to find out that this act is Ameri- uh, is American because 070 is the area code for The Hague. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true, yeah.
0: So yeah, that's what I expected. But yeah, no, you you take the wheel. Why did you why did you decide on this track as your most recent discovery to play in our episode today?
1: Well, um I don't know how long ago Kanye uh, released this EP um, with the featuring of, you know, vocals of someone who was not, you know, credited in the artist or the song title. So I was like, oh, who is this voice? Is it, who is this person? And and I found out it was 070 Shake, and I was immediately hooked on everything. Um, she does all the music she makes um at this point in um my life or my (laughs) mood most of the time is uh female-fronted hip-hop because it gives me um a lot of confidence um also listening to tk maitza who uh released a really great album and um Ozan O'Shea, her music is not, you know, that uh, new for me. But I choose this specific song because it it has everything. I love the entire vibe of it. And I found out when I went to a gig that she is also a queer person. I didn't know that. I had no idea before. And then I was in the venue and I was there with uh, a lot of queer girls. And that was so cool. So um, talking about confidence again, that really, you know boosted uh there's also
0: a a common thread here um along the lines of uh, having a sense of community and with that pulling each other up like there only needs to be one confident person in the room for everyone around them to also feel more confident maybe it's like crabs in a barrel but reverse
1: totally agree yeah and and i really love it when you're completely hooked to Uh, in this case, a voice that I heard for the first time and I was just listening to the music and I I had no idea who was behind it. And then when you get to, uh, in this case, the live experience and you're so, you know, surprised with the energy, the warmth, the feeling and um, yeah, it it, it sounds so cliche, but it really felt like a gig, a place where everyone could be themselves. And um, so it was refreshing to see a girl front stage and to you know, very tough guys who were basically just her roadies, just filming her and stuff. I was like, yeah, go girl. So
0: <laughs> that was so cool. So like fun to stick it to the system. Like whenever yeah. whenever a band enters a venue and the girl gets up, like, are you with the band or are you just just a merch mm. girl or a, I, I don't know.
1: I get it when I DJ, you know, in venues, they're like uh, asking my, my male friends if I'm their uh, assistant that really happened to me <laughs> like the assistant of the dj or oh yeah crazy
0: uh that's so backwards before we um before we sign off do you have any any loose thoughts something to plug um something you would like to share
1: um like um what i wanted no, i think if someone is listening and maybe is feeling the same way as i did when i was 15, 16, you know, stuck in the closet. And I really felt like there was no one uh, like me around. For me, it really helped music. It it sounds so cliche, but as I mentioned, I met people through gigs, but also nowadays the kind of artists that we have, you know, Spotify is even having those, those, you know, uh, queer playlists at your homepage. It's everywhere right now. So I would really say that um, don't be too shy if you're you know into an artist and you see like they're coming to a place near you just just go there and I think you will be maybe overwhelmed you'll be surprised that there are more people just like you and uh I think I needed that 10 years ago so <laughs> go ahead everyone who's listening.
0: <laughs> yeah that's also a fun thing that I found out like how niche those playlists can be, like obviously you've got your standard Queer Party banger playlists, but one of my favorites now is the queer composers. Like they've got Tchaikovsky and everything, oh. like just classical oh. stuff by queer composers. That's so fun. Um, yeah.'m um, gonna gonna drop that in as a little little recommendation at the end. Um, but yeah, I, I guess with that. This has been uh, Queer Sounds once again. Uh, go to Patreon.com/slash/QueerSounds for stickers and bonus material, etc., etc., etc. You can get in touch through our socials. That's Twitter. That's Instagram at Queer Sounds Pod. Um, Let's see. Yeah, let, just get in touch. Come and have fun there. Um, I announced an album of the week on, on, on Queer Sounds Twitter, um, you, which is mostly just an insight into my personal music taste, if that's something you might be interested in. Um, also, if you like the show and you don't want to support financially, tell a friend um, because, you know, word of mouth um, advertisement is the best advertisement this pod- podcast can get. I need to remember to breathe. With that, (laughs) um, yeah, this has been Queer Sounds. I want to thank Vera for coming by, and I want to thank you all for listening.